Welcome to the Casa Delaware Live podcast. I am Lauren Bruckner, the Casa Delaware Trading Director. We are taking on the new and interesting venture in starting our own podcast. Cool, right? We know that Casa volunteers take advantage of finding creative ways to attain their annual requirement of training hours, and this is one more way that Casas can do that. The purpose of this podcast is to provide another avenue to attain these hours, so by listening to each episode of our podcast, you will be able to attain those hours. In order to record those training hours, you will complete the in-service training credit form and then send directly to me at lauren.bruckner at delaware.gov. That's L-A-U-R-E-N dot B-R-U-E-C-K-N-E-R at delaware.gov. Each podcast will highlight a current CASA volunteer, a family court judge, a Division of Family Services or state agency worker, or any other child welfare partner, and they will share their experience, expertise, and words of wisdom to CASA volunteers. We will begin each episode with a state of the state, providing up-to-date statistics from the CASA program. So here we go with CASA Delaware Live, Episode 1. All right, let's start off our episode number one with our state of the state, which is where we review current numbers and statistics for CASA volunteers as well as child welfare cases in the state of Delaware. All right, so let's start with Newcastle County. This is as of May 1st, 2020. We've got 85 total CASAs with 71 of them assigned to represent 143 kids. In Kent County, we have 68 total CASAs, with 58 of them assigned to represent 94 kids. In Sussex County, we have 64 CASAs, with 52 of them appointed to represent 74 children. So statewide, we have 211 CASA volunteers. Woohoo! 177 of them are appointed to represent 311 children in the custody of the Division of Family Services. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode one of the Delaware Casa Live podcast. We figured the best way to start off our podcast would be to interview none other than our state director, Melissa Polokas. So, Missy, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. This is awesome. So glad to have you here, and uh, as we are all stuck at home, um, we figured this might be a a cool thing to do. So I just want to ask about your background, and tell us a little bit about kind of your background and where you came from before coming to the CASA program. Well, prior to being the director for the CASA program, I was a CASA program coordinator in Sussex. Um, I was a coordinator for about two years, I believe. Um, Prior to that, I worked as a mediation and arbitration officer for a family court. And prior to that, I actually was a family crisis therapist for the Office of the Child Advocate. Um, I 
also, before relocating to um, Delaware, uh, my family, we lived in Maryland. And for um, several years, I was an investigator for Child Protective Services for Maryland. So that's pretty much my experience. Awesome. So uh, when you worked in, in Maryland as a child protection protection worker, uh, is that similar to uh, Delaware's Division of Family Services social worker? Yep. Yep. It's the equivalent. So I was the investigator that would go out um, and do, I mostly did serious injury, like what would be equivalent to like the P1 here in Delaware. Um, I would go out for like serious immediate need, you know, investigations. Gotcha. Did you find that uh, difficult? Um, yeah, especially, uh, during my last year there, I was, um, pregnant with my youngest one. <laughs> so I pretty much worked up until uh, I gave birth. Um, so that was, you know, interesting. Um, but yeah, you know, it's child welfare. It's difficult. Yeah, gotcha. So did you have both of your kids while you were in uh, child welfare um, arena? Like while you were pretty working much, for CPS? Yeah. yeah, pretty much. I mean, my entire, even in college, my internships were always related to um, the child welfare um, field. I always knew that that was my calling and my passion. Um, so my, again, my every from internships to, um, you know, part-time, full-time has always been child welfare related. Gotcha. Um, so where did you grow up? So I grew up in a smaller town in Pennsylvania called Pottsville. Um, our only claim to fame in Pottsville is Yingling Brewery. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yes. So I am a true Schuylkill County Pottsvillian. Yes. Very cool. And um, so how old are your kids now? You have two boys, right? Yes, I have two teenage boys. So my oldest is 16. He'll be 17 in June. And my youngest is 13. And he will be 14 in August. Oh, my gosh. So the oldest is driving, right? Yes, he's been driving for quite some time now, um, so that has been interesting, but knock on wood, he's been very, very careful, um, so, uh, well, right now he's not driving anywhere, but, um, <laughs> so yeah, that's been an experience and a half. Yeah, and now both both kids are tackling the online learning, right? <laughs> yes, and I completely sympathize with anyone who is trying to work full-time from home and homeschool their children yeah <laughs> I totally get it so how about you tell us something cool about you that maybe casas don't know um well some my casas who I supervise obviously probably would know this about me but not many others would I'm a huge college football fan um, my family and I are Penn State fans so we enjoy going to state college for games um you know that's kind of our thing that's our family thing to do um my husband you know, he's a superintendent, golf course superintendent for Baywood. Um, just, you know, we love boating. Typical, you know, Southern Delaware stuff, boating, beach. Uh, that's pretty much, that's pretty much me. Awesome. Well, perfect. Well, let's fingers mm-hmm. crossed for a warm weather and the ability to, to go enjoy <laughs> it. Yeah, cool. Exactly. Yes. Um, so let's talk about the CASA program. So what do you feel are some of the CASA program's greatest strengths? So, you know, when people you know, ask me about the CASA program. I always say, you know, our mission, you know, our mission is to be a voice for Delaware's, you know, abused and neglected children. And people kind of look at me like, wow, I'm like, yeah, it's a big, it's a big deal. <laughs> you know, it's, we're, we're a voice for 
Delaware's abuse and neglected children. Um, and our biggest strength, I mean, it, it's always and will always be the heart of our volunteers. You know, we have amazing volunteers that are dedicated to finding safe solutions for all of our kids. Um, you know, whether it's reuniting families or, you know, uniting new families by adoption and or guardianships, you know, these people are just, are, our volunteers are so dedicated um, to our kids. Um, and we also have, you know, volunteers that prepare um, our teens for adulthood, you know, and help them with that transition. Um, so again, it, the, our biggest strength is our volunteer every single one of them. Um, they're the heart of our program. Um, they just, they care about each and every single one of our kids that we represent. And when I'm talking to CASA volunteers, um, I love it when they say, you know, my child or my kid did this or my, my kid needs this. And it's true because they, they care about each and every single one of the kids that we represent. Like they're their own. Um, and you see it when you, and you hear it when you talk to them about it. Um, you know, not too long ago, I was talking to Akasa, um, and he was, you know, sharing experience with, you know, again, this was an older, an older, um, youth who had, you know, was on extended jurisdiction, but he's like, you know, he called him, the youth called the Casa because he had a flat tire and the Casa's like, don't worry, I'll be right there. Nice. Yeah, you know, that's the stuff that you just, people don't hear those stories, you know, and, and, and we do. Um, So, again, it's just the dedication that they, that they serve their kids. It's just, it's just amazing. And, you know, our CASA staff, we have some of the most dedicated individuals I've ever worked with. Um, They truly care about each and every single one of our kids. And, you know, they work side by side with the child attorneys and the CASAs, you know, supporting, you know, the advocacy and, you know, just ensuring that we're striving for permanency for all of our kids. Um, so that's that's our biggest strength right there. Yeah. So let's let's talk about permanency for a minute, because you're right. That is the, the crux of what we're working towards, whether it's reunification, mm-hmm. guardianship, permanent guardianship, adoption. Um, yeah. So how how do you think CASA's best kind of work towards permanency and kind of thinking outside the box and being creative? Do, do any I don't know examples or so come to mind? Um, you know, I think it, when you use the word creative, that's the best way to you know think of permanency, because, you know, sometimes when you know, you start out off with a case, um, you know, obviously the goal or the plan is always to, you know, reunite families when it's safe and possible. Um, but after that, you know, we really can't sit and wait. You know, we have to use those creative measures. Like we have CASAs now that are using social media to, you know, find families, you know, or, hey, you know, a mom, you know, Two years ago, she really wasn't in a good place, but now it's a completely different story. Um, or a family member who wasn't viable or an option, you know, six months ago, maybe now is. So it's just that constant, you know, constant outside the box thinking of how can we make sure that this kid is not just sitting and languishing in foster care? Because we never want to want a child to age out of foster care. We want we want to have a safe and permanent, you know, connection, a family, something for them, um, so that they don't wind up aging out of foster care. Right. So let's let's focus on the creativity creativity a little bit and sort of its combination with the COVID nineteen 
uh, illness and diagnoses and quarantine. So um, if you could go into kind of an example, some examples of what CASAs are doing to stay in touch Mm -hmm. with their families. Well, first, I would just like to thank um, any of the CASAs that are listening, because this wasn't something that obviously we had planned for. Uh, No one did. I don't think any agency or any organization could have planned for this. Um, But very quickly, CASAs understood, one, for safety reasons, we we can no longer have face-to-face visits, Um, but how can we you know, how can we still stay in touch with our kids? And phone calls, you know, Skype, um, FaceTime, um, some classes are even using like texting apps where you could um, video chat on texting apps. Um, So they really just, you know, took that extra step saying, hey, I know I can't see my child face to face, but I'm going to make sure that I'm I'm communicating either by phone, by some video means, um, again, iPad, FaceTime, whatever, um, and they've really been successful in you know maintaining contact with their child, and you know not only just with their their kids on their cases, but they've also been supporting foster families, like talking to the foster parents. You know, hey, how are you doing? Is there anything that you need? Is there anything you know that so and so needs? Um, just to be that extra level of support for the foster um, parents as well as the child. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, this is a, a new world, you know, everything's virtual. Um, so they've, they've really, you know, stepped up and were able to quickly adapt to that change. Yeah. Very cool. This is definitely a, a, a unprecedented time and we're learning to use technology yes. very quickly. Yes. Uh, even court hearings and team meetings now, everything's on Skype or zoom or, you know, via telephone. So it's, yeah, it's, it, there was some hiccups, you know, in the beginning, but now I feel like this is kind of our new normal and we've all kind of adapted to it. Gotcha. Yeah. So how are the Skype, how are the court hearings working out? You know, so far, um, I think, again, we had some hiccups in the beginning, um, rightfully so. I mean, some courtrooms weren't just weren't equipped um, for the level of technology that was needed. Um, but again, our, you know, our court, um, was able to quickly identify those needs. And, you know, from what I'm hearing from other states, I feel like Delaware is, you know, kind of ahead of the game a little bit where we're not postponing hearings. We're not um, rescheduling hearings. We're, we're having hearings. Like these kids, this, these issues, they're moving forward, um, which is good to hear. Uh, because what we didn't want to have happen was, okay, you reschedule a bunch of hearings and then come October, you know, your calendars are slammed. Um, and again, when you reschedule hearings or continue them, that puts a hole in permanency, you know, that, that stops that, 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 that kind of puts a wrench in the work. So we just want to make sure things are working as smoothly as possible. So court hearings, again, they've been, you know, either by Skype um, or some classes have been participating via telephone. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's been good so far. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. All right. Cool. So the, as CASA director for what the past year and a half, when, when did you assume the, assume the directorship? Uh, October of 2018, I believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. That sounds about right. Yeah. So in the past yeah. year and a half or so, what vision do you have for the CASA program in the future? So our goal um, here at Casa Delaware is that one day every child that enters foster care will have the opportunity 
to have a CASA assigned to them. So what that means is every child will have a CASA volunteer by their side, you know, during one of the most traumatic times in their life, you know, when they're removed from their family and placed in the foster care. Um, so our vision and our goal is to um, have a CASA, at least have the opportunity to have a CASA um, for every case. And we're also working on, yeah, we're also working on ways to improve our program, you know, every day. You know, right now, I'm working with one of our program coordinators, Camille. Um, we're working on volunteer engagement and retention so that our volunteers feel more supported in their work. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's a lot going on within Casa Delaware. Yeah, cool. So that's good. It sounds like there, there's always stuff kind of moving and shaking. Yep. Yeah, awesome. So um, what can CASAs do to support this vision? Um, so CASAs, I mean, again, just spreading the word, you know, help, helping us with recruitment. You know, tell your family, your friends, your coworkers, anyone who has your ear, um, tell them about CASA, tell them about the important work. Um, and now it's easier than ever because our application is online. Um, so people can go to our website and apply online. Um, so that's the biggest way classes can help is just by spreading the word and, and helping us with that recruitment. Awesome. Yeah, I know just as the training director, at least in our um, new training group of CASAs that's going through now, I think two of them were actually referred from a current CASA. So that's, that's yep. wonderful. Yep, yep, yep. It, the word of mouth has always been our best um, source of marketing. Yeah, I think that nobody better, you know, the best person yep. really to share what being a CASA, you know, to recruit CASAs is to share what it's like being a CASA themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Wonderful. So what else do, should CASAs know about you or, or anything else you want to share? Um, you know, I just kind of want to highlight again, and I just want to thank all of our CASA volunteers for their tireless efforts, you know, especially now during this unprecedented time with COVID-19. You know, our CASAs are still focusing on their kids, you know, not letting things get sidetracked, um, you know, coming up to speed on technology and, and just their overall patience with this. Um, I just cannot thank them enough. And, and I want them to understand that their, their efforts and their help during this has been greatly appreciated. Wonderful, Missy. Well, it has been a pleasure chatting with you and um, we might have you on the podcast as this continues. That would be, that would be great. Thank you. No problem. Take care. Thank you. All right. What a great interview with stage director Melissa Polokas. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. I do want to mention um, that Melissa alluded to our online application website. So if you come across anybody who is interested in being coming a CASA and working with the child advocacy, please, please don't hesitate to direct them to us. Um, they can either contact me directly um, at lauren.bruckner at Delaware.gov, or they could call my office, which is 302-752-3774. Also, the online website is courts.delaware.gov slash child advocate slash CASA slash application. That's courts.delaware.gov slash child advocate slash CASA slash application. So, and those applications come directly to me. So then I can work with them to submit materials and do the background checks and work through the application process. So anybody you know who is interested or at least ask you some questions about becoming a CASA volunteer, definitely send them our way.
Thanks for listening to our first episode of Casa Delaware Live podcast. And as the years go by, a friendship will never die. You're going to see it's our destiny. You got a friend in me.